Welcome to the Untitled Film Project podcast. Jim Chandler, along with Justin Bradford and Jeremy K. Gover, we are talking about The Flash. So you're saying you could travel back in time? But Bruce, I can fix things. I can save people. I can save my mom. I can save your parents. So Barry has the ability to not only slow things down, but actually go back in time and maybe correct some of the things uh, of his life and others that he wants to change. And let's get some uh, initial thoughts in a second. But first, I want to tell you, coming up, our big question is a big, silly question. If you, too, could go back in time, what silly little inconsequential thing would you change in the past? Seemingly. Inconsequential. <laughs> right. The butterfly effect is still real. Yes. <laughs> Who knows what the consequences would be, but if you didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so start thinking of your responses now. We'll give you ours coming up. The Flash. Let's get our initial takes. Justin Bradford, what'd you think? Okay. This is... The best DCEU film. That is not saying much. <laughs> I think as we, as we all know. That's an important... Hold on. I want to make sure that... You know, just clarify yeah, here. Yep. DCEU film. Yeah. So not the Dark Knight trilogy. Correct. Not right. the Batman. Correct. That's those why I say DCEU. Those don't count in this Those don't count. This is in terms right. of like Man of Steel, Justice yes. League, Batman, Correct. Superman, all those. This Wonder Woman. The, yes. 1984. Oh, like, oh, God, don't. I, 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 sorry, sorry. We try not to talk about <laughs> it. This is the best DCEU film, but... <laughs> it is extremely problematic thanks to Ezra Miller and what they've done in their past and what they've done post-filming and, and everything of that sort. And we cannot ignore the fact that Ezra Miller is a very big problem and yes. why there's been so many questions of should this film be released? Should this film be uh, come out? What do you do with marketing on this? There's so many problems and we have to make sure that now I'm not saying separate it either. We don't need to separate film from personal life because what Ezra Miller has done and been accused of doing directly affects so many people, real people in the world yes. that I cannot separate the film from those actions. Now, that doesn't affect my review of the film in general, but I want to make sure that people listening understand how important it is that we address that Ezra Miller is a problem and very problematic. We're not ignoring that. We're definitely we're not ignoring fully that. acknowledging it, and yes. it needs to be said because that's a, it's a great point, and it's it important. Mm -hmm. Yes, so with that, Michael Keaton is what stood out for me in this one. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a audience serving DC super fan movie. That's what this does. This is serving the fans. It is very disjointed in so many different ways. It's, it's long as well. There are some parts where it just makes you kind of wonder what's going on. I, I did like how they kind of explain the multiverse. It's just when you think about it now, the whole multiverse thing is almost starting to get tiresome. Yes. Aside from Across the Spider-Verse, because dear God, that is amazing. But <laughs> the whole multiverse thing, because we've seen over the past few years now, it's getting tiring. So for DC to add their spin on it, which we knew was coming, it's not like they just all of a sudden decided to do this. We knew it was going right. to 
going right. to happen. That's where they've been leading to with this. It's just, oh, here's another version of a multiverse coming into play. And it's one of those they had to just learn. Barry has to learn what the effects are of a multiverse and how they're all different. This is just what the fate is of this universe in this multiverse, blah, 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 blah. It's disjointed. Michael Keaton, though, is why people are going to see this movie. If people are going to see this film, they're going to see Michael Keaton as Batman one more time. One last time, probably. One more time to hear certain lines be said, to see certain actions, to hear certain music. Facial expressions, everything. Everything. They're going to the movie for him. That is it. And I think that's going to be enough for people just to see Michael Keaton because that's what stood out to me. That's what I loved most about this. The movie was long. I'm not saying I hated it. I kind of enjoy. I enjoyed my time watching it because I just wanted to mm-hmm. see how they explored this. But it being the d- best DCEU film is just not enough for me to overall say this was a, a good movie. Okay. All right. Jeremy K. Gover. Would you allow me to jump in? And, yes, that would be great. Uh, okay, I, uh, I, you know, I'm not a fan of the DCEU. Uh, I, most of the movies have been terrible. Um, I think with the few exceptions, Wonder Woman, the first film, mm-hmm. uh, terrific. I think is, among, is the best. I agree. Okay, I don't think they've done better than that, including with The Flash. Uh, I also very much was conflicted and could not look at the character of Barry Allen without thinking of the real life Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller has done some terrible things allegedly to many different people. Okay. And uh, there are accusations against a lot of people you see on screen. And it just comes back to me to the old saying, uh, if one person calls you an ass, whatever, if a whole bunch of people are calling you an ass buy a saddle because you are. Um, so like, Court of a public opinion is different from a legal court. Um, I have horrible feelings about Ezra Miller as a person. I hope Miller overcomes those things and atones for those things. But I could not ignore those things while watching this movie. It also makes me wonder if some of those problems that they have might also be part of... This is terrible... Part of the talent that we see, I mean, we've seen some very troubled actors before where uh, they do think differently, they're odd, they're outside the box, and sometimes that's the thing that makes them special. So uh, I'm not excusing anything, Ezra Miller did, but uh, it was a major problem for me, and it took most of the movie for me to kind of just get that out of my head. Um, At the same time, I was generally entertained by this movie. Uh, I did see the fan service galore. Um, it, everybody that has a, you know, a, a Batman love inside them, uh, was super serviced. I think anybody who has a Superman yes. love was super serviced in this movie. Um, but it, you know, all in all, I sort of enjoyed it. And I think I would call this the second best DCEU movie. I'm not going to add too much more and just go on ad nauseum. I'll just say that I know of the people in this room, I know the least about Ezra Miller's problems. I've heard, obviously, plenty, okay? Mm -hmm. But I don't know to the extent of how bad it is. So I was able to go into the theater and see them as an actor to the point where I'll even say I give them props as an actor because they were able to do two characters yes, a long time in one movie. It's not like they had one scene 
and it was kind of this weird acknowledge each two Barry Allens, two Barry Allens, different ways they've been brought up throughout forty percent of the film. Yeah, that takes some chops. So mm-hmm. I need people to understand. I'm not condoning anything they've done. I'm simply saying that I'm judging the film only. Right. And they did a great job on screen with both characters. I'm leaving it at that. Okay, we've got surface level. Let's go below the surface on The Flash. Uh, What did you think? Give us more uh, on the on-screen stuff that we saw. Let's go back to Justin Bradford. Okay, so I, I dropped the whole Michael Keaton thing in my initial take, and I feel like, to me, I was cheering at the screen when I finally saw Michael Keaton and delivering some memorable lines. But what got me the most... And this is all cameo fan service stuff, right? right. Uh, th- so much of this. And that's my whole point is the fan service to me felt like this is saying goodbye right. to the DCEU. Let's yeah. get some fan service in here. Let's make some money in the fan service. Because and, they, and, the Tim, and the Tim Burton yeah, universe. Yeah, the Tim Burton of universe of it. So my favorite part was hearing the 1989 Batman theme. I was just going to say that. When that played, uh, that was chills to me. Yep. Michael Keaton on screen as Batman. I'm Batman. And you hear just a theme playing. I'm like, ooh. That's the one thing that excited me about the movie the most was him delivering some designs. Want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like those types of things. Which I wish they'd left out of the trailer. 100% agree. Do not put the things that are going to make the audience go nuts. Applause moment. Oh, gosh. They've left that out and let that be a thing. But you know, but they're having to do that for the reason because of Ezra Miller. They're having to sell Batman, right? I I mean, we all know that. Yeah, I understand that. I'm simply saying, as an audience member, it would have been great. That yeah. movie, that movie, that line fell flat for me. Where to the point where I think I looked at Jim with some, like there was like a, a little breakout of applause right in front of us, and I was like, mm. not because it's not a cool line, it's because we've already seen it's it. spoiled, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so I fully agree, and that's yeah. where, again the whole, we've had the whole trailer discussion before, yeah. right? Yeah, sure. don't spoil moments like that because we know we're going to get something, but we didn't know we're going to get that. So yeah. it's already been seen. You can have the the side by sides we're going to see from the two films, but Michael Keaton and and hearing that that's what made the movie, and that's what they're banking on so much is these cameos. Um, obviously, this is a spoilerful episode. <laughs> it has to be. It's the Flash. You can't. Yes. We, it's difficult yeah. to review this type of movie with a multiverse without spoilers we've gotten to the point now in the show where if you if you've not seen it you've got to fast forward to the big question because right from this point on it's going to be impossible right yeah so we get wonder woman cameo Mm -hmm. i thought that was fun as well the the explanation of where the rest of the justice league is at the very beginning of why they're not helping out Mm -hmm. so i do like that how they address that because this is when you look at it their their version of what captain america civil war type of thing like well where are these other people at what's going on and how do you bring them together it's their version of a justice league 2.5 right (laughs) kind of thing or justice league 1.5 is what this really is because aquaman what's he doing what's one woman doing oh she's there but for them to go off into the multiverse i really did enjoy those little easter eggs like that in the cameos that's what that's what i wanted was fan service out of this and and i got that that's why it was okay for me you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, the, the comedic elements of this movie. I thought, uh, even though some of them were old, I, I saw one comedic element right at the beginning where he's going to save all these babies that are flying out of an, you know, <laughs> why do they put the babies at the very top of a 200-story building? I don't know, but it was funny, and it reminded me of 
uh, the original Adam West Batman movie where he's trying to get rid of a bomb and everywhere he turns, he can't throw the bomb. There's like, oh, there's little children. Oh, there's a group of nuns. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and he was he's foiled in almost everything he's trying to do to save these babies. Something worse comes along and he can't do it. And he eventually obviously does. But uh, I, I thought that was a very funny comedic moment for uh, Barry to have to experience. And uh, if that was an intentional nod back to that old Batman movie, Movie, the really corny one. Uh, I enjoyed that. I, I think the two Batmans that we see in the film predominantly, with you know Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton, uh, you know, I thought that could be a wreck. But you know what? They each brought what their bat versions of Batman uh, to needed to do to help Barry, right? So we've got, you know, Ben Affleck's Batman was like overly serious, but you know, he's kind of a mentor. He's got a little bit of a, you know, a wisdom thing that he's passing along. He's old Batman. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, then we've got Michael Keaton, who's bringing just kind of the fun Batman from the Tim Burton era. And, you know, and he's kicking ass and taking names. Uh, and he's doing it really with a smirk on his face. But Jim, you mentioned the whole baby thing too. I loved how they brought that back for the credits. Yes. That plus that like awesome. how that, how the, the, from a different angle, the dog's angle. It's just the angle or just yeah. the dog. The whole just time. the dog the whole yeah. time. See what's the dog's view of all this stuff going on and around the dog. I think it matched up. Yeah. 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 I think that it was like oh, a it was different. Perfect. Oh, it was great. Oh, it was great. Like yeah. the comedy actually hit in mm -hmm. this way more than any other one where they've tried to push the comedy factor in, in ways that Marvel does. But I think that the writing on this was actually way better compared to obviously that's why I rank it higher because the comedy actually hit in this one and you needed it with Barry Allen's character and just the way that they portray it. So you, you can't take it too seriously. Some of your thoughts, Jeremy Gover. I, there's just nitpicky things for me, right? So mm -hmm. I mean, no way I know it's, it's tough to believe. It's what we've come to expect yeah. love and love. Uh, would Bruce Wayne leave a confidential flash drive in a manila envelope just on his doorstep? Mm. It's things like that. It's like, okay, if it's really a top secret thing, why would you just leave it? I'm sure that the systems that Barry's running, not just anybody can stick the flash drive in. I understand in. that, but it actually has signed Bruce Wayne on it. Okay, but, just, again, there's a but again, of, you're nitpicking because I'm sure there's encryption I protections. I just said I was nitpicking. I know, and you're proving how you nitpick because you're, why are you picking that of all things? I'm just saying drive? I noticed it. That's all. He leaves a manila folder all covertly. Just it's sitting encrypted. on the doorstep. It's encrypted. There's a note, handwritten, that says Bruce Wayne on it. He, he writes it. The flash drive is encrypted. Anybody could write Bruce Wayne in an envelope and leave it at somebody's doorstep. Okay, that's fair. Some of the comedy did hit. But a lot of it was low-hanging fruit and fell flat for me. But I will also say, as my last comment for this, is that if you go see it in a full theater, like Fast X, actually, but for different reasons for this one, you'll get more enjoyment out of it. Whereas if you go and there's like probably a smattering of people or you wait to see it on direct or you know, on demand or whatever, buy the Blu-ray at your local store, bring it home, it's not going to hit the same. I would almost recommend the opposite. Really? Yes. Because well, this is I, a very intriguing discussion all of a sudden. Because I think, uh, you know, and, and not just, you know, the, some of the scenes that we talked about, there is so much fan service, especially with Batman and Superman, that uh, seeing it around super fans took away from me parts of the movie interesting okay they were a distraction to me mm. and, and i'm going to say this as 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 delicately as i can 
as a super fan, when you've been served something you've been waiting for, your reaction sometimes can be so over the top that you're laughing so hard that you're taking away from what's happening on the screen and I'm missing part of the next line. So this is a little bit of my beef with going to movies that are going to super serve their fans. I will purposely seek out a movie where they are not going to be there so I can enjoy it for what it is. Interesting. Not for their over enjoyment of what it is. Okay. Well, I will say contrary to that, my score might be positively impacted because of how we saw it. Okay. In a packed room of ticket winners that got to go to an early access screening and see it, and there's super fans everywhere, especially the four people in front of us. They, it, it was a distraction at moments, because again, right, like there'd be yeah. a line you see in the trailer, I'd look at Jim like, what, why is that, like we've seen it, right? So there were, it was distracting in that, right, because it seemed over the top, but overall, it was nice to be, okay, I'm around people that clearly appreciate this movie or that the efforts are taken. I try to take that out of my score, Right, but right. I'm also a human being. I understand that if I'm in a, there's a, there's a positive energy, or a negative energy. I was not a fruit for a robot, everybody. No, imagine <laughs> that. So, but it does not affect my score. It just it it makes me, if I have the chance, the way I see it, I'll choose the the non super. That's fan. fair. That's okay. Fair. So, <clears throat> to agree with Grover. <laughs> When watching this again, obviously, obviously spoilers here, seeing it in a crowd, it was also interesting to see and hear if people understood the Easter egg references based on history of DC point Nick Cage. Yes. When Nick Cage's Superman appeared on screen, the people that lost it laughing and clapping were people that understood there was a version of Superman being made with Nick Cage that obviously did not hit the screens, which sure. is perfect for this movie. For this, this movie. Concept. Whereas there are a lot of people that are probably just like, okay, cool, I don't get it. Okay, you know, I didn't, so, I didn't get it, but here's what I knew. I knew that uh, Nicolas Cage spends his money foolishly and has gotten into bankruptcy many times, and what he buys are Superman comic books. Like, so to me, that was a nod to this guy is a, well, he's Nick Cage and he's also a super fan. So there's set I, photos from I, Nick Cage. I enjoyed it like, yeah. without knowing that there right. was and going to be. Because yeah. you still had some history. You still have prior knowledge. People yes. that don't have any prior knowledge, aren't. it's not going to mean as much to them, but in it's a full audience random. Yeah. where you hear them reacting, it's like they get it because Ooh. that's a big deal. Or even it's fun to see the Adam West stuff pop yes. up and different things like that. So they utilized just like what we've seen in across the spider verse of live action and animated Easter eggs in there from the different universes within the multiverse. So I like that fan service part of that because that's what people right then they want out of those things. One quick question about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have seen now a bunch of movies going into the archives of all the actors that have played those characters before. Uh, is it used up? Are they going to have they cannibalized their own canon and history to the point where they should just stop now? I think they should stop in the way they're currently doing it. Okay, so they're going to have to reinvent a way. To no, like okay, like in Rogue One, Grandma Tarkin, the actor is dead. Yeah, he's been dead for years. But they bring him back as a character with lines. They found an impressionist to do it. Yeah, they got the, his family to approve it. 
and they worked out. You can argue about whether it looks good or not. At the time, I had totally bought in. I could not believe Grand Moff Tarkin was on the screen with lines. It made sense. Could not believe it. Now I go back and watch it. I'm like, okay, it looks a little rough around the edges. But that's just the time it was. You know, when it came out, it was just, to me, it was like, this is amazing. The tech wasn't as great then. Right. Princess Leia, same thing. Now, she said one line. But my point is, in the same movie, at the end, you see her, and you're like, holy crap. You know, so... What I guess what I'm saying is the way they're doing it, mm-hmm. they should stop. Yes. But I think as technology advances in 2037, when we get a Batman movie, if they want to bring back Adam West with lines and have him and have him do something with the other character, I think that would be pretty sick. So I think okay. it's all about levels. Yeah. It, it, not lazy. If they do it right. in a way that serves the story and you know makes people happy and with respect and with respect, we had talked about this yes, with the Fast yeah. X episode actually yeah. in a different way. We're not a superhero, but Paul Walker, right? Clearly, has passed away, yep. but he's still alive in the Fast X universe. Yes, right. Okay, Bradford brought that up on the show. So, in the final movie, I even said this on the episode. I believe that they're going to find a way to bring him in. I would love to see it. And the technology would be there, you would think, at the time, mm-hmm. three, year, three, four years from now, whatever it's going to be, where he's sitting in the, maybe the final shot. He's sitting in the car with Dom, and they're reminiscing about old times into the end credits. Something like that. But he's actually talking. That'd be pretty nice. You see what I'm saying? Like, the, yeah. like you could do that. Four years ago, it would look terrible. Or they wouldn't even do it. Right. right, but I think the technology could be someplace where you could eventually be like, "All right, that was predictable, but that was not like the right. way they did it." That's all, and I think that hits the reset button on cameos because now all of a sudden you can do more. Good answer. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, I like that answer, Gover. <sighs> surprise, surprise! Don't even think about touching me. <laughs> All right, let's give our scores for The Flash. Let's start with Jeremy Cake over. Some of the gags were predictable. Some were excellent, like the baby's falling out of the hospital building. We talked about that. Uh, I, I want to be very clear. I don't hold Ezra Miller against this movie because the art can stand alone in the artist. The artist can be a total D-bag. That's very true. Sure. While the art that they create... Is excellent. Okay. That is that that can happen. Okay, I do want to throw out then. Okay. Is there a line that gets drawn somewhere? Oh, of course there so, is. So if it turns well, out Well, actually I don't know. I don't know. So that's actually. why I'm throwing out because we're into a gray area here. If Ezra Miller had been accused of murder, is the line mm. you drawn there? Aside I don't, from aside from abuse. I don't know. Because I mean I know we're getting to a no, discussion no, here, no, but it is yeah. worth discussing. I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's here's my here's what I come back to. Okay. Yes. Now I personally don't believe this, but I know there are a lot of people that do, so I'm going to use the example. Okay. okay. You can believe every accusation against Michael Jackson. I knew this is common, though. Every accusation. Mm-hmm. If, let's just say you assume that he did everything they say he did. Right. Okay? That doesn't mean his songs don't hit. The art is still legendary. It's still amazing. It's still the best of the best. The artist, in this scenario, could be very troubled. Sure. And very not good. But the art is still cream of the crop. Best of the best, top of the world, one of the best to ever do it. That doesn't mean he's excused from the troubles. Right. And, but the art 
is what you're. No one's at a bar playing Smooth Criminal and being like, "This song is awesome," but I hate it because Michael Jackson. That's but it's the, the art song. is still directly connected to the person because if they're getting paid for it, for sure. So that's the question okay. of where does the line get drawn? Then that's a different discussion. Yeah, the it, art itself as a face value for getting everything else about who signed who to this and who was responsible for that, and that person then benefited, profited from that. Forget all that. The art itself is what we're talking about, and the art is still great. And I the think, artist is I think still it's, I think it's okay for the observer, the third party, which is you or me or anybody else, is to where, where they personally draw the line is okay. Now, if somebody says, and I've had a lot of comments on my video reviews, there's no way I'm going to see The Flash because of Ezra Miller. And I support that. And I said, I respect that. Yes. I understand that. It, it is up to each person individually. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But it is out there. It does exist. We watched it mm-hmm. to review it. And I'm telling you, it's a solid movie. That doesn't mean that I condone or anything about Ezra Miller. They have problems. The movie has its issues too, not even close to that. But I'm just saying, like, sure, they have a problem that they need to fix, and get, and I and I pray that they get better, whatever that means. Yes, but the movie still exists. It's still done. It's in theaters. Six point five. Okay. So as I, a human being, I, zero point zero. <laughs> but as a movie, the art right, is six point five. Right, and, and and I hope for redemption. Yes, I hope for sure. I hope I hope things get better. For but sure. uh, I I was I it was to me it was a conflict through a lot of the movie. But I'm gonna I'm gonna judge the movie. A lot of other people were involved in this movie, and they deserve to have their work. Uh, reviewed. Yeah. So th- this is this is the way I'm coming at it, uh, and the, you know, it, it it's not just one person. It, there's there's literally thousands and thousands of people that worked on this movie, and you know, more than others. I I thought I thought David Muschietti did a very good job with this movie. Um, it, it you know it, it was a nice goodbye to the Zack Snyder part of this universe. Uh, it, to me, a lot of the comedy hit. Uh, I thought the effects were very good. I did not think in the the bowl, whatever they called it, where he could go back Speed in time. Uh, I yeah, I to me that was poor um, special effects. But uh, you know, I enjoyed the fan service. Even I'm a person who doesn't like too much fan service. I thought they did it pretty well. Um, so uh, I think this was a pretty darn enjoyable movie. Second to Wonder Woman in that category. I'm going to give it a 7.0. Mm. Justin Bradford. All right. I enjoyed the fan service as well. That's what stood out the most to me, which is crazy because a lot of times movies get docked for the fan service unless it's done well. And I think with what they brought in by actually giving the fan service with Michael Keaton an actual role, it was not a cameo. He's a supporting actor. Yes, in this. for sure. Yeah. And that means that much more that they traveled to a different universe where Michael Keaton is Batman uh, in that universe. And they gave him an actual role to play and gave him a fitting end in that universe that he was in as well. Because obviously the Michael Keaton version exists in multiple universes anyways. As we just right. know, there's so many different versions of, the, of, of that Batman. So I liked the fan service. I liked seeing the Nick Cage part in there. I liked seeing all the different things during Speed Force when the worlds are colliding and, and crumbling as well. I liked the fan service in that because we just need to get those glimpses because we know we're not going to get that again for a while as they're going to explore something different in the James Gunn version as well. Um, 
I liked Michael Shannon coming back in his role as General Zod and seeing an interview that he did where he even spoke with Zack Snyder and was like, hey, man, you cool if I do this? Because knowing that he's not involved in the project, mm, just right. respect between actor and director and everything, too, to be involved in a project. I like that. I, I feel like the more I see of Ben Affleck as Batman, the more I actually like him as Batman. I feel I, like he kind I of get fell that. into that, the old Batman role to where he's not even curmudgeon but just a mentor role and he understands his role in that universe now as well. So I think it was his best performance. Yeah, and it was very it, short as, a, as Batman. But but I did but that's, I did that says something. But I've enjoyed him more <laughs> as we've seen it progress. I feel like he kind of fell into that role a little bit better to understand what he was supposed to be doing and pulling off as Batman in general too. Um I thought the comedy overall was witty. A lot did fall flat, but it was witty. It was probably the funniest DC DCU movie in terms of having comedy that actually hit. Um I give it a 7.0. Okay, there you have it. The Flash has finally hit theaters after so much anticipation (laughs) and anxiety. Uh, Tell us what you thought. Were you able to separate uh, Ezra Miller from the character? Uh, Were you able to enjoy it? Did you like this fan service? Was it too much? Did somebody leave out one of your favorite, let's say, old school Superman? right? Uh, Just tell us what you think. Uh, You can see everything that we've done as far as uh, video episodes, shorter reviews, other things about movies at our brand new website. Untitledfilmprojectpod.com. Here's the point on the Untitled Film Project podcast where we like to venture off into another area and let's get a little silly here. So because The Flash was able to not only slow down time, but go back in time. If you guys had the ability to go back in time and you could change something, (laughs) the stipulation is it's got to be something kind of stupid. Okay, so you can't go back and, and, you know, save a parent. You can't go back and stop Hitler. You've got to go back and, and, and change something that is silly. So I'm going to start with you, Justin Bradford. What do you think? What would you do? So this goes back to my sports broadcasting days. And after I covered the Nashville Predators for Penalty Box Radio in the past 102.5, the game, sports station in Nashville. And post-game, I was riding in an elevator. And this was when the Nashville Predators had beat the San Jose Sharks. And I was riding in an elevator with then-coach Pete DeBoer of the San Jose Sharks. They asked where to get to street level to get out of the elevator. Which is very weird because typically coaches are not riding the media elevator to go up. They're typically with their teams getting back on the bus to get ready to go back home or go to a hotel. Come to find out later that night or early next morning that he got fired. (laughs) So what I want to go back and change instead of just saying get off of this level would be like, hey, yeah, uh, it's this level. I can take you. So I could talk to them to see what it would be like that experience and maybe ah. maybe get a little bit of a scoop or something because they could tell they're in bad moods. I would have bought them a beer or something like that, even though I had work to do. I know this is a silly thing, but it would have just been neat because how often does that happen to somebody riding, riding the elevator, somebody that who knows he's getting fired from a head coaching job in the National Hockey League where you potentially could have been like, no, man, I'll buy you a beer. Looks like you could use one. Yeah. That's just a little silly sports moment because it could have been a connection made. A little missed opportunity if, if you knew. Yeah, if, you if I knew. knew. But I was able to kind of break that. I'm like, I just rode the elevator with Pete DeBoer <laughs> after a game. Why did this happen? Because that never happens. 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. If I had to go back in time and change something, I'm going to first mention uh, my, my good friend Woody, who I've you know been on air with on radio for years and years. He is often, I'm just going to mention his because he said he would go back to the point in time where they discontinued Crystal Pepsi and would keep it going. <laughs> Which, to me, I thought, that is a beautiful example of something so stupid that you could change in time. And bring back the McDLT, too, right? Uh, right. <laughs> hot side hot, cool side cool. Jason Alexander. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm not going to go back too far in time. I am going to go back to, you know, just uh, recent history. And uh, I think I would go back and I would somehow give a sign to Elon Musk not to buy Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if that's insignificant. That would change a lot of lives. Uh, okay. Unlike Bradford, all he would get out of is like a story. He would, There's not like a whole lot of... He's going for silly. Jim's going for like, I want silly. All right. Well, change Twitter. I, yeah. Okay, Okay. right. You're right. Right. I, I, I'll stand corrected. I'll stand corrected. I, w- I, would, uh, I would make sure that peanut butter Captain Crunch was always available, even today. It is about on and off the shelves. Delicious cereal. I could eat it like candy. Or the Taco Bell never got rid of the Mexican pizza and then brought it back more expensive. Now I want to change mine. See, we're, we're starting to think more as we roll here. I know. <laughs> All right. So, Jeremy, Jeremy Gover, going back in time, what do you change? Okay, I'm going to send this to her. In high school, I took a girl out on a date. Of, this will surprise nobody. Very awkward, very antisocial, very much like, you Did know. Did you nitpick the whole time? No, no, no. Thank you. No. <laughs> But you'll love this. I was stubborn, which is what I, was where I'm going with the story. Stubborn. So her name was Ashley. She goes, yeah, where do you want to go? And I was like, cool, we'll go, you know, we'll go to dinner first. Obviously, then we'll go play miniature golf. She said, like, that sounds great. And it sounds like a kind of a cookie cutter high school first date, right? Like, yeah. you don't know if you're really into each other, but you're good friends. Like, you know each other in class. You're interested in each other, but you don't really know where it's going to go. A dinner where you can talk and then a miniature golf, a little com- kind of competition. It sounds perfect. Real soft sell, right? But, but <laughs> we go to Olive Garden. We have a decent meal. Did talk, you propose talk, okay. <laughs> <laughs> at Olive Garden? This is why it's insignificant because it never would have went anywhere anyway. Okay, that's why I would. I'll, I'm going to send it to her and be like, "Hey, remember this? Okay. Too many breadsticks." She's going to be like, "No," but that's not the point. So if we go to Olive Garden. We talk. You know, decent time. Nothing great, but nothing bad, right? And then we go to miniature golf. It's raining outside. But I insist because that's, that's my plan: dinner and a mini golf. <laughs> there was no plan B. No plan B. I was that like, was I want to impress her so much. We're doing this. This is the good, like kind of soft. I'm not interested in anything else. I'm interested in you. This is going to be really cool. Let's see where this can go, right? And I insisted we went mini golf in the rain. <laughs> I would change that. I would pivot to something else, a movie or <laughs> whatever. You were you were hoping for some kind of like a notebook kiss in the rain. No, I don't or think so. Upside down Spider Man. That could have changed your whole direction in life. I don't know. I don't know. That's why that's why it's significant. It never would have went anywhere else. There was okay. nothing about the date that was like so like oh this is really great. It was more like she has loud dogs and I go to pick her up and I open the door and they're like dachshunds or something like they're super like small but they seem big like ferocious dogs i remember that and i remember going to insisting we go to mini golf anyway even though it was raining oh i was thought he was gonna say insisting we go to olive garden no. <laughs> and then they I, have the best italian and then food. i dropped her off and then we were classmates the rest of the year and that was the end of it and it never would have went anywhere anyway we could have had the best first date ever there was nothing there for either one of us i'm sure so no blue french horn either okay yeah what so how I met your mother reference come oh, on. Yeah, I don't know.
So that's what we would do if we could change time in some stupid, insignificant way. What about you? Tell us your story, because I'm sure it's really good. What was your date went awry? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Who'd you ride an elevator with? What Taco Bell item would you bring back? What flavor of Captain Crunch? There was a vanilla. Double decker There was a Rice Krispie Treat cereal is gone, and oh, I miss it. Oh, man. I know. There's so many we can say. Okay. We would really enjoy them, and trust us, we read all your comments, and uh, we'd love to reply and banter back and forth with you. We have a brand new website where you can catch all the old episodes of uh, what we've done with previous movies and classic movies, and it can be found at Untitled Film Project Pod. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.